Welcome to the Cochrane Community Church Podcast. We're so happy that you're joining us, and we look forward to how Jesus will impact your life through this message. See, at Cochrane Community Church, our mission is simple. We want to share the love of Jesus so that our families, our community, the next generation, and the world will know Him as Savior. And this means that we strive to be a loving, Christ-centered community of believers. We just want to say thank you so much again for taking the time to tune into this episode. And at this time, please sit back and relax and enjoy this week's episode. We love our kids and they are the future of this world, the future of this church, the future of Christianity, just like why we are doing... um, Generosity for the generations. We still have this going on. You can look in your worship folder. It tells you how much money we have raised so far. <clears throat> we have raised, uh, we have $97,000 in commitments and we have raised $22,000 in cash to put in the bank. So we still have about $100,000 to, to be committed and uh, we're just trusting the Lord for it, right? Because uh, even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't see it, he's working. And he's faithful, and we know that he's going to make all this happen. And I want to share with you today, even with my Miley Cyrus voice, <clears throat> a story. On September 29, 1982, 12-year-old Mary Kellerman of Chicago, Illinois, suddenly passed away after consuming extra-strength Tylenol. Later that day, in a neighboring Chicago suburb, a man named Adam Janis also mysteriously died after taking the same medication. Two members of his family, after also ingesting the Tylenol, soon died as well. Three more victims in the surrounding area suffered the same fate, and it did not take long for the link between the deaths and Tylenol to be discovered by authorities. The strange string of deaths revealed that the Tylenol capsules had been laced with potassium cyanide. Anybody remember that story? Boy, I remember that. A man who was bent on destruction took some Tylenol capsules, put cyanide in them, and put them on the shelf in the drugstore, and seven people died. Man, what a scary story. Have you ever taken Tylenol? Yeah, like this morning, right? Sure, we all have at some point. I don't give it a second thought. And those people that died didn't give it a second thought either, did they? And, and you know what? That's a great illustration about faith, isn't it? Because sometimes, here's where we're going today, a false faith looks just like the real thing. A false faith looks just like the real thing. And so we continue today in week six in our series, What We Believe and the Difference It Should Make. Last week, we talked about the son we should follow, and we talked about having Jesus as our Savior means so much more than just a ticket to heaven. And we talked about justification. Remember that big churchy word? Being made right in the eyes of God because of what Jesus did. And when he becomes our Savior, we must understand that this brings with it, listen, a new identity and a new way to live. And I love this line. I wish I would have wrote it, but I didn't. Somebody put it this way. This reality must lead to transformation by the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Your thinking, your identity, your values, your behavior, recalibrated and redirected, listen, by the radical view that flows from the truth of the gospel. 
Did you get that? Transformation, your thinking, your identity, your values, your behavior, recalibrated and redirected by the radical view that flows from the truth of the gospel. And this is where we're going today as we continue. And it's almost like a part two from last week. Because I want us to get this, okay? Here's what I want us to get, right here. Understanding something doesn't mean you believe it. It's true. It's because you understand something doesn't mean you believe it. Apollo 11 landed on the moon in 1969. Many people knew this, had a basic understanding of how they got there, right? They put a little capsule on top of a big rocket and they shot them off into space, right? We knew that. We knew kind of how it worked. But a whole bunch of people believe that whole thing was fake. That it never happened. They didn't really believe it. They said that the government staged the whole thing and they come up with all kinds of proof and and everything. And it's known as the moon landing conspiracy theory. You heard of that? Maybe you've heard of that. And the same thing goes with our salvation. Many people get the whole Jesus thing. Jesus had to die. But in their heart of hearts, eh, they don't really believe it. In a sense, they proclaim their faith, the gospel. But it really means nothing. First of all, there's no transformation of thinking, identity, values, behavior. Hasn't been recalibrated. It means nothing. So check this out. I know we've been gloomy already, right? So check this out. Jesus was teaching what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this to his listeners, his Jewish audience in Matthew 7, beginning in verse 21. I hope he doesn't say this to me. This would be terrible, okay? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father, who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So his audience was Jewish. Jews, what do they do? They went through, they had all kinds of rules and regulations and rituals about everything. About everything, 800 and some rules and and laws that they had to follow. But many of them could really care less. They weren't really transformed by their Jewish tradition or who Yahweh was supposed to be in their life. They just went through the motions. Jesus is calling them out on it. He says, only those who does the will of my father. Well, what's that? Well, we can read in uh, 1 John 3, 23 that uh, John says the will of the father is to love God. First of all, have Jesus as your savior. And they'll love others, which Jesus talks about in the great commandment. We can start there when we're looking at what is the will of the father. The will of the father is to have Jesus as your savior, first and foremost. Jesus knew that people go through the motions, but they don't really have Jesus as their savior. And he tells us clearly, we we can take this today, right? Many Christians, many people claim to be Christians, do Christian stuff. But just like Tylenol laced with cyanide, things are not always as they seem. 
Jesus talks about the outside of the cup, right? Being clean. What's on the inside? So the title of today's message is The Gospel We Proclaim. And it's kind of a part two from last week. I said that already. But let's figure out the churchy word gospel. We throw that around all the time. You know, the gospel, here's what it is. Look, the word itself comes from a Greek word. I had to write this down. Euangelion, right? Which literally means good news. Good news. In the New Testament, it refers to the announcement that Jesus has brought the reign of God to our world through his life, death, and resurrection from the dead. When somebody says the gospel, that's what they're talking about. The good news of Jesus Christ, okay? What's the good news? He came. He lived. He died. He rose again for our sins, for us. That's the good news. And Jesus says many proclaim the gospel, don't really believe it. Basically. Now, let's take this further. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. This is going to be our text for today. Ephesians chapter 2. I better take a drink. So get a few verses that's going to help us understand <clears throat> genuine faith. The gospel we proclaim. Here's our buddy Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. Um, he was in prison in Rome, by the way, when he wrote this letter. He, the church in Ephesus was having some issues, as all the New Testament churches were, because they were all new at this stuff. He's in prison, and some scholars put this letter right up there with the book of Romans as far as clear Pauline theology, as they call it. So look at chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Says this, as for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Okay, I want you to underline used to, okay? (laughs) Underline were. When you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires its desires and its thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now that's a reminder of who we are, who we were as a result of sin that exists in us. We've been talking about this for two weeks, which we've discussed. And I'll tell you what, I don't care. We're going to beat it into each other until we get it. Until we get it. We can never share the gospel enough. Let's start here. The genuine faith starts with an understanding of why we need a Savior. Okay? Told you last week. If you don't think you're drowning, drowning, you don't need a life jacket. Paul says our very nature Deserves the wrath of God. What does that mean? We bring nothing to the table. That's it. We bring nothing to the table concerning our relationship with God. We need to get this more than anything. Erwin Lutzer said that Hinduism focuses on meditation and trying to get yourself into a different mental state. Buddhism talks about following this path or following that path. Even Protestantism, people think, well, we're basically good. I have people that have been Christians for 30 years in my office. And I'll say, why should God let you into heaven? And they'll say, I've been good. I had one guy recently say, I've been faithful. Well, I'm basically a good person. That's not it. Catholics believe it's a mixture of works and grace. To go to confession, do some Hail Marys, 
do this, do that, stay right with God. Even around here, cultures that surround us around here teach you that what you wear makes the difference between heaven and hell and your eternal destination. What you wear. The problem with all of these views is that the Bible teaches that we are spiritually dead in our sins. We bring nothing to the table. So it means that all of our good works are contaminated anyway. Genuine faith starts with an understanding of why we need a savior in the first place. Let Jesus' words in Matthew 7 resonate. But Jesus, didn't we do this? Didn't I go to church every week? Didn't I do this? Did I do that? And he says, yeah, so did a lot of other people. See, yeah, I never knew you. Look, Paul goes on, verse four. Says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. My favorite part. That's my favorite part. Why? But God. But God. All that separation, all that sin, all those attempts to make myself right in God's eyes. It's not your Hail Mary's. It's not whether or not you wear a dress. It's not being a good person. No, it's all him. What's he say there? But God. Because of what? Because of his great love for us. Was that a little tiny bit of affection? No, great love. Not just being nice. It's great love. Not a little bit of love. He's what? Rich in mercy. Is that a little bit of mercy? It's a lot. He's rich, rich in mercy. A lot of mercy. Mercy is not getting something you deserve. Not giving someone what they deserve. So it's because of his great, great love and rich mercy, he did what? Made us alive in Christ. What is that? Gave us the opportunity for the forgiveness of sins. To be made right with him, justified, so that we can spend eternity in heaven. Paul said in verse 1, you were spiritually dead in your sins. That's powerless, lifeless, doomed to eternal separation from God. What did he say that? But God, but God, he did the work. He made us alive through Christ. This is good stuff. Theologian John Stott said that, set against the desperate condition of fallen mankind, We have the gracious initiative and all-powerful action of God. God did it. God does it. You were, but God. Not you were, but you need to do this. Number two, genuine faith is initiated by the love of God. He does it. He does the work. Maybe this is a recap. I don't care. God's love makes us alive by grace. Nothing we do through faith, which is belief. And I love this idea when we think about the the love of God. 
We have to distinguish it from human love. Okay, this is where some of us miss it. Some of us miss this. Human love is based on the person who is loved. Human love says, I love you because of your personality. Back in my day, we used to say, great PA. Great personality. (laughs) I love you because of your appearance. You're you're so hot. I, I, I just love you. I love you because I love to be with you. I love the way you make me feel when we're together. That's human love, right? Man, the object of that love changes really quick, doesn't it? Sure have gained a lot of weight. We don't spend a lot of time together anymore, do we? I don't like your family. You've changed and you're not the person that I married. I'm out of here. You see? That's human love. That's not God's love. God's love is not based upon the one who is loved. It's based on the one giving the love. And Paul tells us in Romans that Jesus Christ died for us yet while we were still sinners. Someone said that God came while we were playing on the wrong team, when we were his enemies, when we were in the grips of Satan, when we were doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were being dragged around by the devil. And genuine faith understands our need for a savior and knows that God, because of his love, is the initiator. And that's the good news of the gospel. But you can't just understand it. You have to believe it. You have to be transformed by it. And you have to live it. Paul goes on. Go to eight. He says it again. For it is by grace you have been saved. What's that? That means you can't do it yourself. Through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. This is the gospel we proclaim in a nutshell. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace, being given what you don't deserve. Faith, believing in what is unseen. Theologian Francis Folks said this. He said that salvation is God's works entirely. The bestowal of his infinite love. The human part is receiving it. In receiving it can be described simply by the words through faith. I don't understand it all, but I believe it. And this faith is defined best as turning to God with a sense of need, weakness, and emptiness, and a willingness to receive what he offers. To receive the Lord himself. See point number one. I don't understand it all, but I believe. I don't understand it all. And I never will until I get to heaven. But I believe it. Erwin Lutzer, Pastor Erwin Lutzer, shares a story about a portrait that was painted by a man by the name of Paul Gibson. Painted of a man named Paul Gibson. When he retired as principal of Cambridge. And when he saw his portrait, he gave tribute to the artist. He said, hey, in years to come, people are not going to say, who's the man in the portrait? No, they're going to say, who was the painter? Who was the painter? Who did such an outstanding job? If you're a Christ follower, if your faith is genuine, 
People are going to say that about you. What happened to you? Who was the painter? Who did such an awesome job? Why are you different? I'm living testimony to that. I want to end with this. Philippians 1, just a little. Above all, live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news. What's the good news? We just went through the whole thing. Good news about Christ. Number three, genuine faith is evident in the life we live. Right? Genuine faith, genuine belief comes from understanding your need for a savior, knowing it's initiated by the love of God who offers a gift of salvation by faith in his son. And Paul reminds us to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of that. The gospel. This is not false Christianity, you see. And the CSB study Bible reminds us that in Matthew 7, Jesus insisted that a person is is confirmed as a true disciple, not by prophecy, exorcism, or working miracles, not by going to church, Bible study, wearing a skirt, not by wearing an I love Jesus t-shirt, none of that. But by living a transformed life made possible by God through a faith relationship with Jesus. Makes it clear. Not by works. Lest anyone should boast. What's that mean? Look what I did. I tithed. Well, God's going to like me better now, isn't he? Look what I did. I did this. God's going to like me better. Look what I did. I went to confession. God's going to like me better. There's a story in the news right now, a really big story. Biotech engineer Elizabeth Holmes. Have you heard of her? She was listed at one time as one of the youngest and wealthiest self-made billionaires in the U.S. And she founded uh, Theranos, a company that claimed that they could detect dozens of illnesses and health disorders with a single drop of blood. You remember that? So you didn't have to go to the doctor like I do and get vials of blood and then have it sent to the lab. One single drop. She said, and they could detect all kinds of things. It all came crashing down in 2015. She was highly respected, rich beyond belief, living the lifestyle. This technology didn't really work. (laughs) She built people out of billions of dollars, and it didn't even work. She was a fraud. She was convicted of defrauding investors, lost everything, and was recently, just like a couple weeks ago, a month ago, sentenced to 11 years in prison. Genuine faith knows that Jesus is not a fraud. And I'm living proof of that. You see, it's easy for anyone to claim they're a Christian, but genuine faith starts with the knowledge of our need for a Savior, understanding that salvation is not something we earn, evident in the life we live, and false Christianity will be found out. Look at this, Romans 10. Let's read this together. I want us to read this out loud, okay? If you declare with your mouth, let's hear it, it says, Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, what? You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess faith and are saved. As scripture says, 
anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Bow your head for a minute. What a great verse. Take an assessment, either here or at home. Take an assessment. Are you just going through the motions of Christianity? Proclaiming a gospel that you don't really believe? Is um, coming to church on some Sunday morning just something that you're expected to do? Or is it because of your relationship with Jesus that compels you? Think about your own faith. Maybe you've been faking it for a long time. Proclaiming a gospel you don't really believe. Jesus wants you to know that he's real. And he paid it all to have a relationship with you. And if you don't get that or you don't understand that, I pray the Holy Spirit makes that real to you today. Let's talk about it. Maybe you've been a believer forever. You've been going to church forever. You've claimed you're a Christian forever, but you're not really living a fully devoted, sold out life of faith in Jesus. We never want to hear the words, away from me, I never knew you when we get to heaven. Father God, I pray for all of us as we hear these words today that you convict our hearts who we are as Christ followers. Are we Christ followers? Forgive us if we're just going through the motions. A lot of people believe in Jesus but don't believe he was the son of God. A lot of people know how to get to the moon, but don't believe we ever went there. Show yourself to be real, Jesus. Help us to step out in faith and to receive the gift of life that you have for us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Why don't you stand? We hope you found this week's episode relevant and encouraging. We just want to say thanks so much for taking time to listen. And if you'd like, please feel free to share it with a family member or a friend. We would really appreciate it. If you'd like more information about Cochrane Community Church, go online and visit ccubchurch.org. Well, that's all the time we have this week, but we would love for you to join us back here next week as we continue to see what it looks like to live a countercultural lifestyle for God. And from all of us here at Cochrane Community Church, we just want to say that we pray that God blesses your faithfulness. We'll see you back here next week.